I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guests, the cast of Sing Me a Story with Belle, and I'll have them introduce themselves to you. Hi, my name is Christian Trulson. Um, call me Chris. I was in one episode of the fabulous series playing uh, Uncle Zach, a musician who comes to town and tells all the kids about various musical instruments. It was a great time. Cheers. Uh, hey, it's Jacob Chase. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I was just named Jacob on the show. Uh, and I don't know how many episodes I was in, six or seven or something. Um, but it was a it was a great time for what I can remember. Hi, I'm Hampton Dixon, and I played Hampton. I think sometimes I was credited as Little Hampton in the first season of Sing Me a Story with Belle. Hey, everybody. I'm Julie Brown. I was Julie Van Lu when I did the show. Um, I played the character Julie, and I think I was in maybe 11 episodes. I can't remember, but it was a highlight of my seven-year-old life. It was awesome. (laughs) Hi, everybody. I'm Jeff Conover, and I was Harmony the Cat for both seasons of Sing Me a Story with Belle. I'm I'm so blessed to have you guys on the show today, and and Jeff, you're you're coming back from an episode we did a, about like maybe earlier in the year, so I'm glad you're back. And hi to everybody else. Thank you guys for doing this because as a little kid, like it was a highlight to watch the show. I adored it, loved it so much, and I had like the VHS tapes that they had of it, besides the reruns that I would watch. Um, but they had those, thankfully, those VHS tapes of the show. Um, But it hasn't really had a release since, but who knows what could happen in the future. But this was a pretty prominent show during, you know, the Disney Channel era of the 90s. There was so much going on during that time. And you guys were probably, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the last live TV shows to kind of film on the back lot. You know, the MMC had already ended. Um, Adventures in Wonderland had ended. There was so much going on behind the scenes. So I think this was one of the last series to film there before you guys moved over, if I'm not mistaken, to California. So I do recall um, all of those shows that you just mentioned prior uh, filming there. And um, I think after that, it was just uh, non-Disney Channel content that was that was filming there. I think, you know, Sing Me a Story with Belle being there and being a Disney Channel show was a big deal for, you know, the operations of the Backlot Studio Tour to be able to take guests and stuff through there. So I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that was the last uh, Disney Channel show that was filmed there. I, I have very vivid memories um, of being on the stage and of arriving to the stage. And um, one thing I remember was I think it was around the same time that the Tower of Terror ride was being built and finished. And so each time we would arrive, there would be a little bit more that they had finished on it and seeing them paint it all. And um, so every time that I go back now to Hollywood Studios with my family and see Tower of Terror, I always think about driving up um, and seeing it as it was being built. So that's kind of a fun memory that I have. But yeah, um, being on the stage, I mean, it was awesome. Like just the the set and um, everybody surrounding you with all this equipment. And I mean, I was six and seven when I did the show. And so I, you know, didn't really know all that was happening behind the scenes. But I remember it just being like an awesome bustle of activity and I remember people walking through above us and around us, and it was a really cool experience. I'm sure you guys can add more to it. 
Julie, do you remember when we would uh, stop in the middle of recording when groups would come through and we'd dance and sing for the uh, the tour groups? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was awesome. <laughs> that, probably, that probably upset a few people in the control room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was usually hidden away somewhere uh, performing harmony, So, but I do remember watching on, on the video feed wherever I was hidden away, watching uh, the kids just ham it up for the tour groups that would come through it was great it, it was that's a fond memory and then of course uh how clingy everyone was with with Lindsay, and you know she was like on set almost babysitter at the time with you guys <laughs> but very she professional was. at the same time you guys you know i was always <laughs> amazed at 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 how uh great the kids were and um, how quickly you guys all learned your lines and um, and how just professional everybody was and and your parents too any of the the kids parents that were on set and hanging out in the green room they were always so so kind and sweet and and uh, I just remember the the camaraderie on that set was 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 fairly special I would say you know everyone was was really nice and and super supportive and and um you know just fun it was just a fun place to be i mean from from the stage manager on on through everyone we we had nothing but fun on that on that set the biggest thing i remember as a kid was the puppets and just uh you know i remember stuff would be shot with the puppets like close-ups and stuff when the kids when we didn't need to be there but i would always like stick around and like just watch <laughs> and, and try to play with the cat and the big book and then i remember there was there was like worms or something right like puppet worms yeah the book worms <laughs> right and like those were shot on green screen i remember and i and like separately so i would just and i remember being so like amazed at how big they were but then they would be small in the show uh, I just love the behind-the-scenes puppetry uh, of it all. Jacob, do you remember there were those little, uh, we had those little, just for eyeline, the little uh, Lewis and Carol um, models that we would put on set so you guys could, if you were interacting with Lewis and Carol later, um, yeah. your eyeline was set. Those guys, those were, we only had one of each one of those, and they would, I remember they would disappear from time to time. And panic would ensue. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know if you remember that part, but the, but uh, I think there was some level of uh, interest in, in somebody. I don't even know. Maybe Patrick uh, grabbed those as a souvenir at the end of the shoot. But those were yeah, great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. That's ringing a bell for sure. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure I would have liked to have taken them as a souvenir. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I think the experience working like with the pup, like, you know, working in big air quotes, but like being around that puppetry as a kid, like definitely inspired a lot of the stuff that I still do today. So it's, that's probably why I have such vivid memories of, of you know, interacting <laughs> with the puppets. Well, that's good. That's, that's a positive. I'm happy to hear that. And and Chris, since you were a guest star, you were kind of coming in during the show. The show kind of already been set. So what was your experience jumping in? I, I believe you, you were a performer at Disney World at the time, right? Yeah, I had been working there for, oh, five, six, seven, eight years uh, at the Adventurers Club on Pleasure Island um, full time. Uh, and I also was um, a guest performer on 
Mickey Mouse Club and assorted Nickelodeon shows and uh, other things like that. But if if you guys can picture what it was like the very first time you walked onto that set, your eyes probably widened and your jaw dropped. And because there was so much to take in. And um, I recently just rewatched the episode that I was on and I hadn't seen it in decades. And uh, yeah, incredible. And so there was a lot of uh, wow factor going on. And I agree, the entire cast just felt like everybody knew what they were doing and there was never a problem, which was terrific. <laughs> so kudos, kids. Yeah, I mean, you've got to, to, to Chris's point there, you've got to recognize the production design and uh, Jimbo Marshall, who was the designer on that. And I think he may have been credited as an associate producer or something, but his set was absolutely gorgeous, and his uh, right-hand man there, uh, Mark Dillon, um, th- those, I mean, it was, there was no, no expense was spared on that. I mean, there was a lot of detail. It was very warm, a lot of dimension. Um, I mean, it, it looked like an old, lived-in, you know, magical bookshop, you know, just what you would expect it to be, and, um, I know that we were all the first day we walked in on into that stage and saw that set. It exceeded everyone's expectations. You know, it was huge, huge. It was just wonderful. They did yeah, a great it was great job. because of how many playing areas there were to go to. Yeah, variety, exactly. and yet still feel all of a piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that opening sequence, the title sequence, it gives you a, uh, you know, that there is like a big boom shot there that. Uh, showed the sort of the how enormous you know this set was it was like a two-story set it was huge it was beautiful absolutely it was so fun to explore I remember I think my favorite two favorite places were um, there was like a window seat kind of in the back Um, I think Harmony hung out there a good bit and so I would always try to be there so I could maybe interact with Harmony some Um, and then going up the stairs there was like a little you know loft area and I've never got to film very much up there so that was like you know such a mysterious place for me so I loved going (laughs) up there (laughs) but the whole set was so cool I mean who wouldn't want to explore and be in Belle's bookshop I mean Belle is still my favorite princess. And so I think like the seven-year-old me was just in awe that this actually existed and it was better than what I could have pictured in my head. Um, It was so fun. It was awesome. They did such a good job of making it um, just seem really real and magical, but also something that you could picture, you know, being in a a town. Um, And it was so fun. It was awesome to explore it all. I did this after I, I had played Chip in Beating the Beast on stage. And I remember doing this after and feeling like it was this big continuation of like the Broadway production, you know, that I was in. And it was, it was like the sets, it was like on stage, you know, you got sort of the movie sets. And I, then I remember being in the show and it was so cool to get this like, it was almost like this whole other world of where the characters lived or, or spent their time. Uh, and so I, yeah, I got a lot out of being on that set and going in those same nooks and crannies that Julie mentioned. So I have to say, Julie took two, two of my favorites already. Definitely the window seat at the back of the set was amazing and just a fun space. But 
I'd say to add to that, another um, there was a set of shelves that had a lot of musical instruments and things in one of the back corners as well. And I, I liked that space. And, and the couches, even like right down center where everybody was for the stories most of the time was another great spot. So as kids, because around that age, we're, we're pretty much our imaginations are running wild. Did you guys kind of play toward the fact that these characters were real, like the puppets? And were you, you know, calling Lindsay, not Lindsay or Lynn, but Belle during takes and afterwards? Are, are you suggesting Harmony the Cat's not real? <laughs> uh, I don't recall calling Lindsay Bell um, outside of, of filming. Um, I think because we we hung out so much that it just we knew each other as you know our our names. But um, and then you know I we would see her without her wig on and her makeup on and the costume on, and she did not look like Belle. She had blonde hair. You know, it was very easy to kind of differentiate between when she was Belle and when she wasn't. So um, for me, I don't think it was necessarily like, oh, these characters are real or they're not real. It was just, I don't know, I guess as a kid, you just kind of take everything as it comes and it just kind of forms into this semi-reality universe kind of in your mind. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I remember calling everybody by their real first name, but when we would film, it was so easy to get into character because we as kids were playing ourselves. And so I never felt like I was really acting so much as I was just feeding off of what Lindsay would be doing or what Big, Big Book would be doing or Harmony. And so it was really easy to just kind of be like, oh, okay, now we're going to play this together, you know? And it didn't feel like we were acting as much as just now we're going to play this game together and the cameras are going to be rolling while we play. So, um, and I think that was really smart of the writers and producers to keep the kids as kids, you know, and not try to make them be a different character than who they were. Um, and that's, for me, that's what made it so enjoyable, um, was that we got to be ourselves and our own personalities. So, and I think that really shines through in the episodes too, um, where we each kind of have our own little things that we're known for that we did in the episode. And, and that was really, I think, just a play off of getting to know one another and seeing what we all enjoyed. So that's what I remember from it. I don't know about you guys, Hampton and Jacob, what you remember. Sounds like you remember a lot more than I do. Uh, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned like they sort of let you do stuff, like let us be ourselves. Cause I, I was really into magic as a kid. And I remember there was an episode where I was like doing magic tricks and like, I forget what the drama was, something someone else like wanted to know the secret and I wouldn't tell them or something. But, but I remember like at the time I was like, Oh, this is just like me. I love magic. But you saying that makes me think, Oh, they must've like, there's a reason that was integrated into the into the plot, probably. I tell you, I I, I would say it, just to sort of to echo that 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 comment and that sentiment. You know, there the kids, you guys were. Uh, I think because you were able to just sort of be who you were and play who you were, um, that benefited the show because there wasn't the sort of overacting of of a of a child playing a different role. Um, it was almost like, you know, I don't want to call it a reality series, but it was that sort that level of, you know, it was the camera was just sort of peeking into a day in the life of what was going on at books, 
at uh, Bell's Bookshop, right? And the kids were all, I mean, the listening that, that you guys did and the reacting, and it was all very natural. There wasn't this weird sort of precocious performance by, by any of the kids at all. You guys were, you know, believable as, as, you know, kids that were coming to visit Bell, and there was no, you know, you weren't putting on anything. It was very natural and, and, and great. You guys were, were wonderful. And fun to be around too. You guys were a blast. You you made the difficulty of being, um, at least for me, in some of the positions I had to be in, you know, hidden away. Um, you guys in between takes were always making it fun and keeping it light. And um, the fact that you enjoyed what what we were doing as puppeteers made the hard work worthwhile. So I I'll never forget you know, how sweet you guys were and so kind. It was a very educational show. I thought that that was such a draw and maybe that's something that we're missing today, like on Disney Channel, because, you know, they're, they're all there's a lot of pizzazz, but sometimes I feel like the sincerity of this show and others is kind of lost um, on some shows today. What did you guys feel about some of the screen, the, some of the scripts that you had read? Did you feel like they really connected and, and made a difference? I think so. Um, I have two kids myself now and they're watching Disney Channel now and a lot of the shows are great and awesome, but I do agree. I feel like there's some that miss kind of that wholesome educational, like let's learn a lesson in 30 minutes and everybody's happy at the end, you know, like that's, that's what they need, I think. But um, yeah, I remember there being, a, you know, in every script there was a lesson you know, there was some sort of discord that was happening and Belle would come in and share a story that really highlighted how we could work through it. And um, and they would show like the cartoon and the animation that went along with it sometimes and songs. And I mean, it was just awesome. It was it was so great. Um, I think for me, there was one one episode that was about me feeling left out because I wore glasses um, and still do, obviously. And um, I remember that being a, a big episode for me. But um, as I was reading through the script, I remember talking about it with my mom and, you know, really talking about like, you know, this is how a lot of kids feel. If they're different, this is how they're going to feel. They feel left out. They feel like they don't get to participate because everyone is excluding them because of the way they look or, you know, whatever it may be. And so I remember that being a really important episode to me to make sure I got that point across. Um, and still to this day, I remember that that episode and and try to draw from it for my own kids, you know, that like being different is okay and it's helpful. And um, so, yeah, I think the scripts and the writing were just phenomenal. It was presented in such a great way, so appealing to kids. Um, it was really awesome. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, one of the things, and, and I'm just paraphrasing a, a Walt quote here, but, you know, in terms of how this show educated viewers, it was more um, sort of slipped in through the back, maybe, you know, so I think Walt said something like, I would rather entertain than, and educate in the process than, you know, make and again i'm paraphrasing making the education the focus and and hope that they're entertained it was all about you know making it entertaining and getting the message still getting the message across and i think you're right um about how the show was put together it did teach those 
those lessons and um, but it did it in a way that wasn't you know ABCs one two threes or this is what we're going to teach you today it was you know it was it just it sort of happened organically I, I guess you could say and and Chris as a as a special guest star on on one of the Very episodes special. you had a lot of <laughs> you had a lot of songs this time around um, you know usually Bell or a big book usually sing those songs about the stories but you had a prominent piece in that so can you tell me what it was like to record the song first of all learn the song because I think you you have a week to to do the episode. So what was it like to learn the song and then finally perform it in the recording studio before, you know, doing it live on set? I'll admit, I remember that less than I remember the instruments. Um, I had a musical background, uh, so I was familiar with all the instruments, but I actually got to play the trombone very briefly, but actually play it uh, on the set during taping. Um, whereas for other instruments like clarinet and saxophone, I looked like I was wailing out, but, uh, it was all doctored audio. Uh, and so that's what I remember. I remember talking to Harmony and Harmony wearing a, uh, uh, a Viking helmet and trying to sing opera. And, um, I remember, uh, the bookworms having little mini saxophones. And, uh, I remember the whole group sitting around on the sofas uh, singing together at the end and my conducting, um, as far as my own. And I remember some of the cartoons that were interpolated as well, but I don't remember my song. So sorry. I have to sort of, um, agree with Chris on this. It's like, you know, it was so long ago that, you know, as Chris is describing that particular episode, I remember that stuff. I remember it clearly, but I could not tell you anything else that it's like a series it's like a different lifetime you know I, just a series of images happening with with so many of these episodes you know so don't, you're not the only one chris that feels that way it's not like we haven't done anything since <laughs> yeah exactly exactly do you can you try taking me through a, a day well basically a week or two depending upon how long the episodes took to make like how how did that process work was there a read read through first and then the recording of the songs and then like three days of recording the actual episode this is jeff i remember uh us shooting basically an episode a day um we would do a read through in the morning typically and then we do a you know right before we shot something we would do a, a blocking rehearsal for mainly for cameras because there wasn't necessarily a lot of blocking for us um so I remember camera blocking, running through it, making sure that Steve could get the shots he wanted to get, and because he was he was calling uh, camera takes uh, on the fly, um, so they didn't have to spend a lot of time editing later. Um, and I just remember it being fairly quick paced. I I didn't get to sing any songs at all, and I was hopeful that if there was a third season, I would be able to sing. So Chris would know more about that process than I would because I wasn't involved in that but um, I, I can tell you that all the green screen stuff that we did with um, with Lewis and uh, Carol uh, we did that uh, most of those were done like right at the end of the two and I think we shot most of this stuff you guys correct me if I'm wrong I think in like uh, we did a season I think in two weeks time maybe two weeks and some change but you know we we did most of the green screen stuff that last 
uh, late at night on that last night or the last two nights. You know, we were there. I remember being there at 10 o'clock at night, still shooting green, green screen stuff because we had to get it done. And that was after we did the little rap party um, and dinner and all that stuff over at the sound stage. I remember the green screen worm part. <laughs> I very, uh, <laughs> it's just so hard when it's so, I mean, I was nine or eight or nine years yeah. old or something. So uh, I have the, the flashes of uh, exciting memories with, with some of the other kids and the puppets and Belle and the set. But yeah, the details I certainly couldn't uh, tell you. Well, for me, um, and, and I, I can't speak just to what the, the normal way of, uh, of, of things happening was, but um, when we were waiting between setups or whatever, which wasn't long, because as everyone said, my memory is too, that it was one day and things just, just whirled by and everyone seemed so ready that there wasn't a lot of retakes to my memory. But when there was waiting between times, there was me and a lot of kids and I was a new guy there, so there was a lot of low-level play, um, you know, chatter and making, just having fun and goofing around in a non-obtrusive way. And it it was just a, just kind of a, a joyful uh, playroom of a day. Who was in the second season of Sing Me a Story of Bell that with Bell that was uh, shot out in anybody that was shot over? I, in I think Burbank? I. Yeah, I would have been in that season because okay. I I lived in L.A. all my life. And, we, you know, I traveled for okay. work a lot. So I I don't remember that I ever traveled for the first season of this, but definitely shot here. Now, do you remember, um, you know, that second season we shot at a soundstage close to that uh, the Burbank airport there, the whatever it's called, Bob Hope. Yeah. Uh, air, yeah. And. It was, I think, a soundstage by name only because we had to stop, I mean, constantly stopping for jet traffic that would, you know, jets that were taking off or, or landing. So we'd be in the middle of a shot and a jet would come in and it would blow the whole shot. And we'd have to reshoot it. And uh, I, I also remember, too, the first maybe three days, the, the AC in this thing, in that place died. <laughs> so we were boiling in there. And they had to bring in these portable AC units for the remainder of the, you know, the week and a half that was left um, huh. after the after the air died. Yeah. And I think one of the acting coaches, um, one of the kids acting coaches was passing around um, like frozen grapes. She was every every time in between takes, she was walking around with this bowl of frozen grapes. <laughs> that sounds familiar there. to me. Wow, yeah. that that like jogged this memory in my mind of frozen. Well, that grapes. was the first time I'd ever have a, had a frozen grape in my life. I'd never heard of it, and it that it hit the spot. The only time I've ever had frozen. <laughs> I'm remembering this. Uh, I don't yeah. remember the air conditioning being out of the jets, but I do remember partaking in frozen grapes. Yeah, well, the frozen grapes were there because it was so hot in that wow. stage. Yeah. Next time you watch the show, have some frozen grapes with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it would be fun since Jeff is here and uh, we all love Harmony so much. I thought it would be fun for the kid cast to ask Harmony a question. Anything you'd like, 
we, it would be nice to keep it appropriate. So um, just so you guys, <laughs> just so you guys can get some time to think of a question, I'll ask the first one to Harmony. So Harmony, I know you are such a book cat. You love to read. So what has been one of your favorites, favorite books to have ever read in Bell's Library Bookstore? Hmm, let's see. Um... Color Kittens. That's my favorite one. Color Kittens. I like Color Kittens. And um, I didn't read very much. I was more into coloring and stuff. So, and I like, I just had Belle read to me. I'd say, Belle, bring me over some frozen grapes and read to me, please. Calm my nerves. I am freaking out right now because <laughs> you're in. You haven't heard that awful voice. Hearing that <laughs> voice now is triggering so many memories. <laughs> oh my you, gosh, it's amazing. I hated that voice so much and it was only created as a scratch track because we weren't we were going to have somebody uh dub over the voice. So I was just being stupid with it. I don't do female voices. I'm not good at falsetto by any stretch of the imagination. So, and it was funny. I, I came up with that one, and um, Alan uh, Silverberg, who was the the writer on it, uh, he came over, and, and we were just sort of throwing out ideas. And what we came up with was um, essentially she was a mix between uh, Carl from Caddyshack. And uh, who else did we liken it to? Carl from Caddyshack and something else. But anyway, I, I hated the voice. And I, I, I was happy that they liked it enough. I think they just got used to it and wanted to keep it. But it, it certainly made it easier on them to not have to dub it later. But it's not necessarily my fondest performance. But it is, it was, I did have fun with it ultimately. Oh my gosh, it is, it's ingrained in my memory forever, and hearing it again is, it is a trip, oh my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> okay, let's see, a question for Harmony. Um, I remember, Harmony, you having several little arguments with Big Book frequently, and I would like to know, are you know guys, uh, exactly, are you guys still friends, or do you still argue all the time? Um... He will text me once in a while and, uh, you know, I'll take a day or two to respond just to keep him humble. And, um, but we're still, we still stay in touch. He's a good guy. You know, as he got older, I mean, you know, he was old to begin with, but, um, you know, as he, as he's aged, he's become a little bit more mellow. He doesn't feel like he has to tell me everything he knows. So it's okay. We're good. We, st we stay in touch, Christmas cards, that sort of thing. <laughs> Happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I miss him. I miss him. He lives out in L.A., of course. Hey, Harmony, I know you continued your acting career uh, after this show. What were some of your favorite roles you played after uh, seeing me a story with Belle? Oh, let's see. Um, I did. I had a couple walk-on roles. Um, you didn't really get to see me. I was kind of way in the background. On Gilmore Girls, I did a couple of things. Like in the back, if you see in the in the in the town square, I did some Gilmore Girls, and um, no speaking roles. So, and I, I can't understand why. I mean, I, my voice is fantastic, my acting's phenomenal. And I don't get it. I don't know. 
But Gilmore Girls is my biggest. Go to IMDb, look up Harmony the Cat, and you'll see Sing Me a Story with Belle and then Gilmore Girls. So, Harmony, what's what are you up to now? I mean, how have you spent your your years since Sing Me a Story? Um, you remember that little window seat that I used to lay around in and sleep in? Doing the exact same thing. Except I find the sun and I do it in the exact same way. I do nothing. I'm fat. I'm fatter than I was back then. And, um, but that's okay. I'm old and I'm allowed to get fat. I eat and I sleep. Play to your strengths. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Well, Harmony, uh, Harmony and I hit it off um, particularly well when we met. And, um, I've always regretted that she didn't go on tour with me. And uh, I'm putting it together uh, a little something now. Um, an I live in Canada now. Interesting that you mentioned the Canadian TV. Oh. So if you if you wanted to, to come to Canada, I, I'm putting together a tour. And uh, it's going to every place where there aren't anyone. So that <laughs> And I wanted to know if you wanted to, you know, sort of do a duet, sort of a little uh, musical tour with me. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Let's get the band back together. Okay. What are your What are you your play? favorite um, uh, musical styles that you would like to include? Because I need to make a list. Um, well, Cat Scratch Fever, I like a little rock and roll. I play that really well on the uh, harp on the um, kazoo, right? So I think Kazoo and you playing the trombone's all we need. Oh, that show is called Heartland. That's what it was. Heartland. I was a barn cat in Heartland, but they cut me out. That's what that <laughs> Canadian show was. All right. As long as we don't do any, you know, hits from cats. No. Oh my goodness. I don't know this. <laughs> I just I, I draw the line somewhere, and that, that's it. That's, it. <laughs> that's what you call a no can do. <laughs> Deal breaker. Yeah, big time. <laughs> oh, it's so great to hear harmony again. <laughs> we just have a podcast of just harmony, like just giving you know her thoughts on the world and happenings. I would listen to that. I think that would be amazing. I Let's call Patrick and see if he wants to get involved. Perfect. Well, before mm. we before we end our interview, I have three Disney themed questions I asked to all of my guests. So Jeff actually already partook in this, but Jeff, you can do so again, and I'll have Jeff start, followed by Chris, and then Jacob and Hampton and Julie. So the first question of our Fab Three is our Donald question. So what was one of your favorite Disney films to see in the movie theater? God, it would have to be the the original Winnie the Pooh. Of course, that was in re-release, so that was early 70s. And then uh, Herbie, Herbie the Love Bug. As a little kid, Herbie was magical as far as I was concerned. Loved Herbie. Yeah, anything with Dean Jones, really. Uh, the first yeah, you're right. You're mind right. for me was uh, was uh, Fantasia, and again, probably a re-release. But I saw it at Radio City Music Hall, so uh, a screen, you know, the size of a football field, really kind of brought that baby to life. Wow! Wow, wow that's amazing. Uh, Toy Story opening weekend at the El Capitan. Oh, was, nice! Uh, Very nice. Pretty epic. I'm gonna say The Lion King. The music, the the whole. 
ethos of that was just amazing. Obviously, the original, the animated Lion King. Yeah, I remember going to see the Lion King as well. Um, and then Toy Story, also vivid memory of seeing that and just being completely blown away um, mm-hmm. because it was so different and, and awesome. But yeah, those like original animated films in the 90s, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast. I mean, those were just, those were my movies. I mean, those were the best. <laughs> Still are. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. And then our goofy question, what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? Good gosh. I would have to say, uh, shoot from Soul. What's his name? Is it Joe, the main character from Soul? Oh, that's a great character. Uh, are you finding your meaning of life, though? Yeah, I'm telling you. That that film, it touched a chord for sure. It really did. Yeah, That was an amazing film. Yeah. I'm going to say Sadness from Inside Out. that's great that's a very tough question uh for me um because i've lived so long i've seen so many so i will i (laughs) i will leave the movies behind for a second when i was walking around the theme parks and you'd have the the walk around characters the only one i was always really happy to see was pluto even though i'm a cat person myself like (laughs) Good choice. I think I'll go with Lumiere. Um, nice. from, from Beauty and the Beast. I think there was a, a certain amount of uh, enlightenment that he shared uh, that I, and just a, a good character. And you love feather dusters, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to say the cliche answer given what we're talking about today, but Belle is my favorite character and I want to be her best friend. I really truly do. Um, I always just, I I loved Belle from the very beginning because she was, she looked like me. She had brown hair and brown eyes and she loved reading. And as I got older, I just loved that she didn't care what the beast looked like, that she cared about his heart. And I mean, what a great lesson that is. So she is my girl. So Belle for sure. (laughs) And finally, our Mickey question. If I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? Uh, Something from Mary Poppins. I mean, I just, the music in that film, it never gets old for me. I love it. I'll pick Under the Sea. Uh, I would say Out There from Hunchback. I think for me, it's A Whole New World. Um, So I have a four-year-old daughter, and so in our house right now, it is Frozen 2 every day into the unknown. Um, However, she prefers the Brendan Urie version, like the hard rock version. So so we're listening to that pretty much every morning on our way to school. It just gets her pumped up, I guess. So so that's what's coming to my mind right now. (laughs) A great one. And, you know, I just want to mention, I love how the show would always end with a selection of books for children to te- to check out and, and see what would be, up, you know, of interest to them that were, was related to the theme of the episode. So I thought we would do the same thing. Tell me one of your favorite books that you would suggest to anybody to definitely put on their list to read uh, during their lifetime. Well, because we're talking, and I know you, you didn't uh, restrict it to to children's literature but the um the kids so-called kids book that um i never hesitate to mention because it doesn't always come up in the big lists is called the 13 clocks by james thurber 
and it is um, the most uh, slightly outrageous, uh, wonderful, um, magical, weird uh, tale that turns some traditional tropes of um, fairy tales on their head and uh, has a hero and a great villain, the Duke of Coffin Castle, and um, <laughs> um, who has frozen all of the clocks in the castle because with his icy touch. Anyway, 13 clocks, <laughs> James Thurber. It's a hard question. Uh, Breakfast of Champions, Kurt Vonnegut, one of yeah. my favorites. Growing up, I really enjoyed the, the Hardy Boys and the Nancy Drew mystery books. I think those promoted a lot of curiosity, and so I... I'd recommend those if you haven't, and they're older now. I don't know if people still read Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, but they should. <laughs> Tell you what I get sucked into is Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Those books are hilarious. Um, I think if we're recommending books for kids, mine would be along the same vein as what uh, Hampton said. I loved the Boxcar Children growing up. Um, that series was, we read, I don't know, every single one of them. I think they're still available. I don't know. Um but that was my favorite series, a mystery series. And it was for um, siblings that would solve them and uh, just really, really fun. Um, so that would be my recommendation for, for kids, for sure. It's a really fun series. I can't thank you guys enough for doing this. I really do hope that at some point, Disney Plus might even think about putting all the episodes up for a new generation of children to discover Harmony and the children and Belle and Lewis and Carol and Big Book because you guys really did play a part in a part of the 90s of encouraging children to really reach for the stars when they read. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you for putting this together. This was so fun. And we will make Beautiful music together